chapter number 28 here this evening. Lord, please don't be silent. Please don't be quiet, God. And uh, you're going to see what we're talking about here in just a couple of moments. Psalm 28 is a classic psalm. It's a classic, I should say, Davidic psalm. It has all the qualifications, you might say, of being a psalm of David. Uh, It talks about uh, prayer. It talks about praise. It talks about enemies. Um, It talks about blessing God. And he talks about the blessings of the people of God. Those are all rather classic um, portraits of a psalm of David. A psalm of David is oftentimes going to have those characteristics that are mentioned in it. But in this psalm here, as he does in many other places, lifts up God as being his strength and his song, as being his shield and his strength and rock. And in this psalm, David is pleading to God to not be silent to him. To answer his prayers is what he's asking God to do. I find it interesting in this whole psalm, and even in the forethought right there of the psalm, that we don't have any idea what he's asking God for. Nor do we have any idea what the answer to the prayer request was. It's just simply a prayer to God to not Be silent. To beg God for him to speak to him. David wanted God to speak. He wanted God to answer. He wanted God in his life. And I want us to learn tonight and pay very close attention on how we, as believers in Christ Jesus our Lord, may be able to hear from God. To hear from heaven. To have our prayer requests answered. Now of course I don't have all the answers because here in our psalm there's just a very few verses that give us some clues on how we can hear from heaven. On how we can hear from God. Now let us just qualify something here at the beginning when I am talking here tonight about hearing from God. And I'm not necessarily saying that God is going to come down and speak to you at the end of the foot of your bed, all right? That's not what I mean tonight. When I say hear from heaven, I don't necessarily mean that God is going to appear to you and talk to you and speak to you like he did to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus or whenever Paul was sitting in prison at one time and Jesus came down and talked to him. Or as one lady said that she saw a 40-foot Jesus uh, speaking to her. I'm not saying God's going to do that, okay? Uh, You say, do you not think that God could do that? God can do whatever he wants to do, amen? Uh, And within the limits that he has placed himself in. But what I mean by that is that God speaks to us in in a different ways and at different times. He obviously speaks to us mostly through what? His word. This is where you're going to find God speaking to you. It's in the Word of God. This is where you're going to find it at. You say, well, I was just standing there one day and I was just thinking about something and God spoke to me. Well, most likely it was something that you uh, read in the Bible. It might have been uh, a hymn that you were singing about God. It might have been a meditation that you had after a sermon or after a Bible study or whatever it might have been. God can use a variety of things 
to open up our hearts and reveal things. But one of the ways in which God reveals himself to us is that he answers our prayers. He answers our prayers. And we see in this psalm here, God answering prayers. And that's what he means here. God is hearing him. He hears God talking to him. He says, God, don't be silent to me. Don't be silent in my life. God, I want you to be active in my life. I want you to be active in my life. And that's what he's praying for here this evening. And I want to notice four attributes that David has in order that we may have the assurance that God can be active in speaking to us in our own hearts and lives. The first thing that I want us to see here this evening before we jump into the text is this, an attentive ear. An attentive ear. Have you heard from God lately? An attentive ear. Let me say this before we even read the text here this evening. Have you any idea whether or not God has answered a prayer lately? Have you even any thoughts in your hearts or your mind that maybe God has not spoken to you lately? That your relationship with God has kind of been on the back burner? Or perhaps do you even have a relationship with God? Do you know Him as your Lord and Savior? Is He your Heavenly Father? If He is, then we can all expect... And believe that God hears us and that we can hear God. In Psalm 28 he says, Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock, be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. Draw me not away with the wicked." And with the workers of iniquities which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them after the work of their hands. Render to them their desert. Because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operation of His hands, He shall destroy them and not build them up. Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, and my, with my song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength. He is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people, and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also, and lift them up forever." In order to hear from God, you have to have an attentive ear. You have to have an attentive ear. There should be a desire in every one of us that are believers in Jesus Christ to hear from heaven. To hear from God. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter number 18. 2 Chronicles 18. Let's begin negatively here just for a few moments. And notice first of all with me that... Have you ever noticed that people that are not right with God are people that are not followers of Jesus Christ our Lord have no desire to hear from God? They don't want to hear from God. Even sometimes the moment that you bring up the language of God, they shut you down. Have you ever heard, have been around somebody like that? They don't even want to hear the words. 
They don't want to hear the words Jesus Christ or God or Savior or Lord. They don't want to talk about salvation or sins or justification or the cross or any of those kinds of things. They don't want to hear anything about God. Second Chronicles 18, you have a man here that didn't want to hear anything about God. A prophet has come to him to bear the words of God and he will not listen. His name is Ahab and the prophet's name is Micaiah. And Micaiah is telling him the words of the Lord. And the Bible says in verse number, in 2 Chronicles chapter number 18, after Micaiah gives him a good word from the Lord, he looks, turns, king of Israel, that is Ahab, turns to Jehoshaphat and says, Did not I tell thee that he would not prophesy good unto me, but evil? I notice, first of all, people that don't want to hear from God are oftentimes critical. They're critical of God. They're critical of the Word of God. They're critical of the things of God. They don't want to listen. They don't want to hear anything. They don't want to, they, 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 they want to lambast it. They want to put it down. They want to criticize. They want to write it off and say, uh, did you hear what he said to me? Can you believe what they had the nerve to say? They never say anything good. They always say something evil. They always say something bad is going to happen. Well, what do you think, Ahab? You're living like a total, complete heathen. You think because you're living like a heathen that somebody's going to say something good to you? You're going to get a good prophecy? No, not at all. You're living ungodly. You're living evil. So you're going to get an evil word that's said unto you. And it amazes me sometimes that people that uh, want a good word from the Lord, yet they're living like the devil. We shouldn't expect a good word from God if we're living against God. You see, the first people, the first thing is this, they're critical. Secondly, notice here in verse number 23, another man comes on the scene, a false prophet whose name is Zedekiah. It says he comes near after, after Micaiah gives his prophecy, and he, smite, he smote Micaiah upon the cheek and said, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from me to speak unto thee? He's saying, I said that the king Ahab's going to have a prosperous uh, time. He's going to uh, defeat the king of Syria. And you're saying he's not going to, and he's going to die, and he smacks him upside the face. He smote him. He hit him. Well, that happens sometimes too, people that don't want to listen to God. They attack. They go on the defensive. They curse. They hit. Uh, they spit. They do whatever it takes so that they don't have to listen to God. So they don't have to listen. Remember the moment that Jesus spoke the words of God there in the hall of Praetorium, or excuse me, in, uh, in, in Caiaphas' household, the moment that he spoke out the words of God, that he was the Son of God, what did they do? They smote him across the face. And then they took a, a bag and put him on the, a cross over his head, and they hit him, and they say, prophesy unto us, thou Son of God, prophesy unto us. They didn't want any more. They didn't want to listen to him anymore. They were done. They go on the defensive. Thirdly, look at verse number 25. And then King Israel said, Take ye Micaiah and carry him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and Joash the king's son. They sometimes will just send you away. Send you away. They slam the door in your face. They say, I, they, just, they get you out of there as soon as possible. And finally, in verse number 26, he says, And afflict him. 
He says, put this fellow in the prison and feed him with bread of affliction, with water of affliction, until I return in peace. Ahab afflicted him. He hurt him. He persecuted him. People that don't want to hear from God, this is the way they act. But people that love the Lord, people that love the Lord and love his word, we want to hear from God. We want a word from the Lord. We want God to speak to our hearts. And we want to hear what God has to say, even when it hurts. David longed to hear the voice of the Lord, even whenever he was in his sin. And here, for some reason, he seems to have gone a season uh, not hearing God. We're not understanding why. We don't know the circumstances behind it. But he says, uh, he says be not silent to me. And he says, God, I don't want this silence to continue. I'm through with this, God. I need to hear from you. We don't know what he's even asking. We don't know what he's pleading for. But I think that to make the psalm even more special for us. Because it relates in more of a general tone to every single one of us. Because all of us can relate to Psalm chapter number 28. It's not a particular battle. It's not a particular thing. None of us can relate to it and point out to it. Well, this is the situation and the scenario that he was going through. And God heard him in that. No, 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 no. This is general. God is speaking to all of us through Psalm 28 here tonight. Letting us know that none of us should be in a complacent state. That we should never want to hear from God. We should want to hear from God. God, please don't be silent. Listen to my prayers. Listen to what I have to say, God. Hear me. And God, please, you speak to me. Answer me, O God. Nothing is more painstaking for a believer than not to hear from God. Nothing is more painstaking than to not hear from the Lord. How hurtful and how hard it is sometimes to go seasons without hearing from God. Without having your prayers answered. Those times hurt. Those times are hard. And those times should be acknowledged. He has an attentive ear. He's listening for God. He cries out. Like in verse number 1 it says, Unto thee will I cry. Spurgeon pointed out that when God chooses to close his ear... We must not therefore close our mouths, but rather cry with more earnestness. For when our note grows shrill with eagerness and grief, he will not long deny us a hearing. Have you ever grown to a shrill with God? Have you ever gone to a point of annoyance with the Lord, if you will? Of going back to him over and over and over and over again. He is acknowledging that he needs to cry out to God. But he acknowledges God as his solid rock. That God is immutable. That he's unchangeable. That he's immutable but also immovable. He is immutable but he's also immovable. He cannot be moved. He stands the test of time. Your advice that you may get from your mom or your dad or your wife or your husband or your brother or your sister or even your pastor may be a little shifty. It may be a little this or that. It may not just hit the point. But my friend, God's word never changes. God's word's perfect. We should listen to what God has to say. If you have a problem that you're going through, find it in God's word. You say, I just can't control my children. Where's that at in God's Word? Well, I just am having a hard time at work. Where is that in God's Word? I'm having a difficult struggle with doubt in my life. Where is that in God's Word? 
I need to find that in God's Word. I can't take you through every one of those on a single message, amen? Or even through a single year. We can't look through every single subject that we have, but you find it out. Study to show thyself approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Cut it straight. Amen? That's what that means. Cut it straight. He reasons with God. He says unto him in verse number 1, he says, O Lord my rock, be not silent to me, lest I be lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Whenever we're trying to get the ear of God and trying to hear from God, we ought to reason with God. There's nothing wrong with reasoning with God. Look at all the great prophets of old. They always talk to God. They talk to God as if God was a banker and a man needed a loan. You know what I'm saying? He was desperate. He needed something. His house was about to foreclose and he just needed 10,000 more dollars. Please, don't let my family be put out on the street. I just need a little bit more time. Please help me in this situation. I need some help. And that's what he goes to. And that's how all the great prophets of old, how they spoke to God. They always reasoned with him. Moses reasoned with God whenever the children of Israel sinned, did he not? The children of Israel sinned and they had done wrong. They had sinned against God and God said, I'm going to destroy them all. But, God said, but Moses said, but Lord... How will, that look at, how will that look to the Egyptians that you brought them out here and you were not able to keep them? He reasons with God. God even says it in his word. He says in Isaiah chapter number 1 and verse number 18, he says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. He reasons with God. Oh God, you don't want me to be down in that pit, Lord. God, I need an answer. God, I need help. God, I need you to do something and work out this situation here, God. I need your help. Lord, I'm no good in the grave. Amen? That's what he's saying. I'm no good in the grave, God. Hear me, lest I perish. And then he lifts up his hands. He says in verse number 2, he says, Hear my voice and my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands towards thy holy oracle. He has an attentive ear, and this is how you have it. You cry out. You acknowledge God as your solid rock. You reason with God, and you lift up your hands. He begs for God like a bum on the street, barely able to look up, but only able to lift up his hands and hopes for a mere morsel of his goodness to drop into his hands. Like a bum that reaches out his hands on the street corner and just begs for another dollar so that he can get another shot of whiskey or maybe another, or maybe another, another smoke or another beer or maybe another uh, shot of drugs. But are we addicted to God like that? I was meditating on that. Are we addicted to God like the beggar is addicted to drugs or to alcohol? Are we that addicted to God that we've got to, we hold out our hands to God? That's a sign of beggaredness, of lifting up your hands to God. God, I need help. I have nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling. Lift up your hands unto God. And he says, I lift them towards the holy oracle. That is God's holy sanctuary. That is the sacred room that held the Ark of the Covenant where the blood of the 
spotless lamb was sprinkled on the mercy seat that very day, one day out of the year. And so we lift up our hands to God and we say, God, I'm coming to you. I need to hear you, God, and I'm coming to you only, on the beha- only because there's one that's already pleaded on my behalf. And that's Jesus Christ. See, the only reason you and I can go before God and hear God and listen to God and God can speak to us through his holy word is because of the blood of Jesus. That's it. There's no other reason. There's no other way but through Christ, but through Christ. We need to have an attentive ear. But look here at verses 3 through 5. How are we going to hear from heaven? Do you want to hear from heaven? Do you want to hear from God? Have you been praying for something? Well, maybe Psalm 28 is your answer. I don't know. But I think it has some answers for us. I think it has some ways in which we can adjust and tune our hearts into what God is trying to get into the mind of God and figure out what we need to do to, so that we can hear from heaven, so that we can have our lives tuned in to what God would have for our, for our lives. I wonder if sometimes if some Christians are just not tuned in to God. Anybody ever, I remember my dad had a 1976 old Chevrolet, Chevrolet pickup truck. We called it Old Red. Red on, the bot, red, on the, red on the whole thing, but it had a white top on the top of it. Anybody remember those trucks right there? I remember riding around in that thing, and we turned the radio on. And that was when you had the double dial. You know, you had the one dial that kind of that got it close, and then you had the fine-tuner dial, you know, that kind of got it in there real close right there, and you could really, uh, really, some of y'all are smiling because you know what I'm talking about right there. And uh, you tune that thing in right there, you get a nice clear clear sound right there coming off there, off the good old AM radio. I think the thing only had AM radio. And, uh, you know, I wonder if sometimes we're, are we that tuned in to God? Are we tuning into the Lord? Are we just kind of on static mode? We kind of just on static mode where everything around us has just kind of flooded our minds and we have let everything of this world just kind of clutter us up and we're listening to this voice and that voice and we're listening to this person and that person and we're getting this phone call and this text message and this person saying that and that person saying that. Why don't somebody say, I just want to hear from God. What's God saying? What does God want me to do? You know where you can find that? You can find it in his word. In his word. You say it's a difficult situation. I don't think it's there. It's there. Trust me, it's there. The word of God gives us all things, all things that are necessary. That are necessary for this life and for godliness. It's here in, our, in the word of God. You've got to have a fearful heart, though. You need to have an attentive ear. We also need to have a fearful heart. What do you mean by a fearful heart? I don't mean that you're fearing, that you're fearful, you're shaking in your boots all the time, but that you have a reverential, an awe, a heart of awe to God Almighty. Fear the Lord. He says in verse number 3, he says, Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. David did not want to end up like the ungodly sinners of this world. That was his fear. That was a great fear of his that we would be numbered with the transgressors, if you will. That he would, be, that he would if you will, blaspheme God. And such a healthy fear kept his heart in tune with God. 
It kept his heart in tune with the Lord. You know one thing, David, you can accuse David of a lot of things, but one thing David never did, he never worshipped an idol. He never committed idolatry. Never one time. That's why the, the Bible says that, uh, that you might read of a king, he says he did not have a perfect heart before the Lord. What does that mean? Is that means he slipped off into some idolatry. But you might read of another king that says, and he had his heart, and his heart was perfect before the Lord as his father David's was. What does that mean? That means that king did not slip off into idolatry. He never went into idolatry. He never worshipped a false god, a false idol. He never once committed this sin. And that is what it means there. David wanted to stay that way. He wanted that way so badly that he even prayed. He said, I, want, I don't want to go that way. He said in verse number 3, he said, draw me not away. Don't scatter me. That's what draw means. Don't scatter me like a seed with the wicked. I don't want to be numbered with them. I don't want to be a part of that crowd. If you want a surefire way to not hear from heaven, then just go ahead and listen to the wicked of this world. Get involved with the wicked. Get involved with what the wicked says. Get involved with what the world says. And what the world is saying. And all the little movements of the world. You say, well, I've got all these movements that are happening now. Do you not think there has always been movements? Amen? Read your history. Read your history. There's always been movements of the world. And what always happens to movements of the world? They always fail and they die. That's what happens. And that's why a new movement has to be established. Somebody is smart and comes up with a new movement and they get rich off the movement. Is what ends up happening. And they come rich off the people that are really trying to be genuine in the movement. But the thing about God is this and Jesus Christ is that it's not a movement, my friend. And it's not a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He says, I don't want to be drawn away. I don't want to get tangled up in the wrong crowd. David was careful who influenced him. He was careful who he got around with. David, don't get me wrong here, okay? David got messed up in some wrong sins. But as I studied the life of David, David, I don't believe, ever got tangled up with the wrong crowd. He never let somebody else influence him. He didn't let somebody else drag him out into the mud, into the mire, into the muck. Jehoshaphat was a good king, but he got mixed up with the wrong, with a bad king, Ahab. And it nearly cost him his life. Nearly messed him up. He said, don't let me be a hypocrite. God doesn't hear hypocrites, and God doesn't speak to hypocrites. He said, I don't want to be that person. He says in verse number 3, he says, speak pe that, he said, I don't want to be a part of those that speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. That's a hypocrite. He said, I'm just not hearing from heaven. I'm not hearing from God. God hasn't answered my prayer request. Are you a hypocrite? Do you say one thing and then mean another? Do you, do you wave at your neighbor and smile, then go inside and cuss them? I know y'all are a bunch of hardcore sailors, cussing, cussing sailors and everything, all right? That was a hyperbole, okay? What, what, do you, what, what do we do with people? Uh, you know, we've got to be so careful. We say, well, I want to hear from heaven. I want to hear God. But we're hypocritical. We're so hypocritical. 
We cannot be. We've got to learn to stay away from that. God doesn't hear these kinds of people. God says God doesn't listen to people that are fake. Instead, he, instead God destroys them. <laughs> he said, I, I definitely don't want to be a part of them because God, those are a part of the people that you're, you're going to punish one day. You're going to destroy them one day. You're going to uh, give them according to their deeds, God. You're going to uh, reward them according to their wickedness and to the work of their hands. And you're going to render to them their, their, their desert, what they properly deserve. You're going to render to them what they deserve, God. Just like it says in Revelation chapter 6 and verse number 10, and the martyrs that were underneath, uh, the thro- the, underneath the altar of God cried out to God in that day, they said, and they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood, jo- blood on them that are on the earth? David says, I don't want to be a part of that crowd. I want to stay as far away from that crowd. I want to be listening for the sound of God. I want to listen for God. I want to hear God whenever he speaks. I don't want to be a part of this other crowd. But this is more than just a prayer, but it's also a promise and a warning to us that God promises that he will destroy the wicked in his proper day. Let us never be discouraged in that. Amen? You ever get discouraged sometimes? It seems like that God is hearing the prayers of the wicked, and the the wicked are getting all what they want and what they want like in life, and it seems like their life is okay, don't, don't be discouraged by that. Their day will come. May they be saved, and may they trust Jesus Christ. But if they do not, do not be discouraged in that, my friend. But it is also a warning to us is that if we want to hear from heaven, we need to ask ourselves, what side are we on? What side are we fighting for? What side are we on? Are we on God's side or the devil's side? You've got to have a fearful heart if you want to hear from heaven. You need an attentive ear, but you also need a praising lips. He says in verse number six, he says, Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiced and with my song will I praise him. Praise the Lord. Now what happened between verses 5 and 6? They got his prayer answered. He heard from God. Like I said, this is a general psalm. We don't know what happened. We don't know what it was all about. But suddenly, God comes on the scene and God answers the prayer. And when God finally shows up, what does he do? He praises God. He praises the Lord. Do you praise him? You say, I haven't heard from God in a long time. Hey, when the last time you heard from God, did you praise him? When the last time God answered a prayer request, did you praise him? Did you thank him? Did you tell him, Lord, I am so thankful for you? Did you say, blessed be the name of the Lord? God might speak to you any time. God might answer a prayer request any time. What do you do when that happens? You might might tomorrow morning be shaving your face. Well, Luke won't, but most of, most, some of us men might, you know, you might be shaving your face in the morning. 
and you might be humming a tune or something like that, or you might have just come from Bible study and read, read the Word of God and been thinking about something, and all of a sudden, what that thought, what you were thinking, God spurs it in your heart and, and suddenly comforts your heart and your soul. What should you do in that very moment? You should bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed be the name of our God. Have you prayed for a matter? And it doesn't seem like God is going to answer. Then suddenly he does. What should you do? Praise him. Thank him. Even if it's a small prayer request. Have you noticed, have you a note of praise whenever you ever, maybe you're just you're going out and you're coming in? Do you ever pray to God, God protect me as I go out and I come in? Protect us as we go on this trip, Lord. All right, when God protected you on the trip and brought you back, did you praise him? Did you, when you pulled in the driveway, did you say, Lord, we just want to stop now and praise you. You're a good God. You answered our prayer request. We want to make sure that you get the praise that's due unto thy name. Due unto your name. The glory that's due unto your name. You have praising lips. You say, I don't so much. If we're not praising God... For when he does speak to us, on what conditions do we suppose God is going to answer us and talk to us even more if we're not even happy when the times that he does talk to us? Too often we can be accused of wanting or praying something to God, but whenever the prayer request is answered, do we continue to praise him? It's not just prayer, but it's also praise. He says, blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength. And then he gives out his song. He gives out the verses in his song, and his song is his strength. That means, God, I need you to speak to me, because without you, I'm strengthless and helpless. He needs him to speak, because he is his shield. And that refers to God's protection over him. Have you ever prayed to God, God, I need your help in this matter? God, I need your help to, in this matter too. I need the shield of faith to protect me from the fiery darts of the wicked one. If Lord, I don't, if Lord, if you don't give me your shield of protection, I'll succumb to doubt and temptation and lust and covetousness and pride and hatred and malignity, Lord. I will succumb to it. I'll fall, Lord. God, put in front of me your shield. His trust. David trusted God even when God didn't immediately respond to him. He says in verse number 7, he says, My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. You say, I need some help. Then trust God. Trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. With all, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he, shall, and he shall direct thy paths. If we're desperate for God to speak to us, then we must have an attentive ear. We must have a fearful heart. We must have praising lips. And then finally, write this down if you're taking notes tonight. We've got to have a godly appetite. He says, and at the end, he says, the Lord is their strength. He is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. A godly appetite for godly friendships. A godly appetite for godly friendships. I mentioned earlier that we're not going to hear from heaven if we're mixing and mingling with the ungodlies, with ungodly friendships. 
So the opposite of that is that we ought to have godly friendships. I don't mean that you don't ever talk with ungodly people or that you don't have a, have a friendship, if you will, with those that are lost. We ought to have a relationship with people that are lost. How in the world are we ever going to win them to Christ if we're not having a relationship with them? But what I mean here is this friendship. We find the final agreement according to Psalm chapter number 28 that a man or a woman that hears from the Lord loves to be in the company of also people that hear from God. They love to be in the company of other people that have heard from God. Other people that have had their prayer requests answered. They like to be around like people that are like-minded that are getting the same message. They don't want to be around hatred and greed and gossip and sin. They don't want to be around others that are self-focused and self-centered and selfish. But rather they want to be around people that are humble and meek and kind. That have also heard from God. That have heard from God that they're sinners and they need help. That have heard from God that God has answered a prayer request that they've been praying for for some time. That God, uh, that they've heard from God that God has comforted their hearts. They've heard from God about an answer that they've been looking for in His Word. That they've heard from God. They want to be be around people that have had victories that God has given to them. That He wants to be around people that are excited about the strength that God has given to them, about the shield that God has been to him. A people that will be, as it says, iron sharpeneth iron, and so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. They want to be around people like that. He says, I want to be around people like this. The Lord is their strength. He is the saving strength of his anointed, of his chosen ones. They want to be around people that have, that have, uh, that have won their battles against the tempter. They don't want to be around people that tempt them to do wrong or to look at wrong things or to use their eyes in a wrong way or to be tempted with the sin of their own eyes or their own ears or with their own mouths while they're around others. But rather they desire to be around people that have heard from God. That have heard from God. People that have a desire to hear from heaven also have a desire to be around people that want to hear from heaven. That's why we come together on a Wednesday prayer meeting, so that we can pray. We share our burdens with one another. And we can follow 1 Thessalonians 5.11, wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another. We that are saved are God's anointed children. We are his inheritance, as Ephesians 1.18 tells us. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. These four characteristics are essential. And there could be many more, of course. But according to Psalm chapter number 28, David says, don't be silent. God, I need to hear from you. I need an answer. I need an answer, God. God, I need some help. I I need you. Lord, in my life. I, I've talked long enough, God. I need, I need you to talk to me. I need some answers, Lord. He cries out 
And I'll read the quote one more time because it just is so pointed. When God seems to close his ear, we must not therefore close our mouths. But rather cry with more earnestness for when our note reaches a shrill note with eagerness and grief, he will not long deny his hearing and speaking. Don't quit, believer. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on that prayer request. Don't give up on the Lord. God is not an unjust judge that will just finally give in and throw his hands up and say, fine, here, you can have it. Like we read about over in the Gospel of Luke. But rather, he is a heavenly father that cares for his children, that cares for his anointed, and cares that they cry out to him. Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Father, we're thankful for